Parshas Ve'igash begins with high tension, and then explodes into the emotional reunion between Yosef and his family. But from then on, there's not so much excitement to the Parsha. Everyone just gathers in Egypt, and the temperature lowers, or so it seems. It's kind of quiet, but perhaps too quiet. Consider how excited Yaakov Avinu appeared to be just before meeting Yosef again, and yet Hashem reassured him or better yet, cautioned him with the words, Al-Tira, do not fear. It almost makes you wonder, what is there to fear? And indeed, Rashi indicates that Yaakov was anxious for a particular reason. And we're going to investigate what exactly there might have been to fear at this particular point. And we will do that as we enter another dimension, one not only of Pshat, but of Remez, Drash and Sod, a journey into a mystifying paradise of Parsha and imagination, which we call the Parsha Pardes. Welcome to Parsha Pardes, or Parsha Paradise, for Parshas Vayigash, here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, where we will be taking a look at the very last Pasuk in Parshas Vayigash, which can be found in Perek Mem Zayin, Pasuk Chav Zayin, 4727 in Sefer Bereshis, and we will be looking at this verse through the aid of Pardes to understand the surprisingly ominous end of Sefer Bereshis. In that very last Pasuk, the Torah writes, Vayeshev Yisrael be'eretz Mitzrayim, be'eretz Goshem, vayefru ma'od. I'm going to translate it loosely as you'll find it perhaps in various Chumashim, that Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they, B'nai Israel, took holdings of it, or they grabbed it, and they were fruitful and multiplied exceedingly. Now again, the verse itself is quite innocent, as seemingly is the Parsha at large. However, you might argue that the information in this Pusik is somewhat excessive. So just for example, the Torah recorded earlier in the Parsha that Yosef provided living property for his family, or holdings in the land. You can find that back in Parak Mem Zayin Pasuk Aleph, where the Pasuk says, Vayiten lahem achuzah. And yet, we're told seemingly again right here, Vayeach that they took holdings in the land, or as the Ibn Ezra says, they made acquisition of the land. But why is this point seemingly repeated? So looking at it, just for a Pashup shot, Perhaps this detail is repeated because this detail is apparently a significant feature of the story. The fact that they are taking hold of the land is something we're supposed to note. Similarly, the Radak explains that, in fact, this Pusik implies that the Bnei Israel acquired new lands in addition to the ones that Yosef had already provided them. But again, why are the acquisitions of land or perhaps these extra acquisitions of land worth our attention. And here's where we get over to Remez and Drash. Because the holdings in the land have to be understood in, in context. And there's a very particular context, a somewhat frightening context that Chazal bring to our attention. Chazal have noted some red flags in this seemingly innocent verse. And they emerge from a blend of textual allusion, or remez, and a closer reading, otherwise known as drash. 
So for example, the Das Zekenim and the Torah Tamima both point out that the opening phrase, Vayeshev Yisrael, and Yisrael settled, is packed with negative overtone. And they cite several other instances proving what the Gemara says in Sanhedrin on Daf Kuv Vav Amidalef, that Vayeshev, that term Vayeshev, is a lashon of impending tsar or distress. Now the question is, what can be wrong with Vayeshev, settling down? That word should be a signal of permission to relax and rest assured. But think about it for a second. The last time that Yaakov Avinu wanted to relax and settle down, namely in Parshas Vayeshev, his son was sold as a slave. Would that same word, Vayeshev, be an allusion to the same fate in his future offspring, being sold as slaves? Might it have been maybe a mistake to settle down and acquire more of a holding in the land? Vayeshev, this attempt to settle down, is ironically unsettling. It projects impending hardship. And along similar lines, in another layer of drash, various mafarshim and madrashim pick up on the nakudos or the vowelization in the phrase vayeachazuba, which thus far we have translated as and they took holdings in it. Right? They took holdings in the land. But take a look at the Otsir Madrashim, which cites the Brisa of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair in 124. There's also the Birchas Asher citing the Midrash Tadshe and the Rabbeinu Bachia. Because this phrase, Vayechazuba, which again we translated as, and they took holdings in it, while this translation may be appropriate to explain the Pashup Shah in our Pasuk, that vowelization, Right, Vayeachazu. That 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 vocalization suggests that the word is presented in the nifal form, which um, can be understood as the passive receptive form. So that the word should really be rendered not and they took holdings in it or and they grabbed it, but and they were held in it and they were grabbed in it. In other words. When the Bnei Israel settled down and took more holdings in the land, and perhaps got a little too comfortable there, Vayechazuba tells us that they themselves were grabbed and perhaps seized by the land. They were trapped, as it were, and perhaps not just as it were, but quite literally, they were trapped in what would soon become their house of bondage. Vayechazuba not and they took a grabbing, they took a holding in it, but it held them. Now, despite all of the above, it apparently wasn't all that bad, because from the dimension of Sod, the Caduceus Levi presents the following silver lining. Typically, when a tzaddik is forced to dwell among the klipos, literally the shells, or the spiritually dark forces of the world, so, for example, in this case, the pagans. So, Tzadik quest to dwell among the Klipos ends up being at risk of being confounded by foreign machshavos, foreign philosophies and values. And if Chas Vashalom, he's corrupted by them, so his love and his awe for Hashem could be replaced with love and awe 
for these alien ideas and forces. And one safe line of defense is to just completely reject those ideals when he encounters them. Just reject those machshavos, these alien machshavos from the surrounding culture. However, the Kedushas Levi explains that our Pasuk is actually suggestive of a more risky but perhaps more powerful tactic. Namely, is to actually embrace those machshavos, those concepts, for the intrinsic value that they have, and then to reapply them in the direction of Ahavas Hashem and Yiras Hashem, and to produce spiritual fruits from those actual machshavos, to actually take them, redirect them in a form of Kedusha. And it's in this vein that the the Kedusha Slavi explains that our Pasuk should be understood. Says our Pasuk. That the Bnei Yisrael took hold of and then embraced the Machshavos of Mitzrayim, but thereby produced holy fruits with which to serve Hashem. Meaning they did not just reject the ideals, but they took the ideals and were able to make something of them to serve Hashem with them. So while indeed there is what to fear in Galus, at the end of the day, Hashem still encouraged Yaakov al-Tira, do not fear. And perhaps that's because if we keep Hashem with us in Galus, we can be sure to be fruitful and succeed there until eventually Hashem ascends with us from that Galus. And with that, we should be Zoha to not only um, be able to not have to settle down in Gullus, but we should be able to make the very best of the Gullus while we are forced to sojourn there, as we are still there now. And we should eventually ascend from that Gullus with the Shechina and the arrival of Mashiach, the Meher Have a wonderful Shabbos.